first reading is from Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. O Lord, have mercy on us. Second reading is from the Holy Gospel in St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. O Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a few minutes ago, we heard from Revelation chapter 2. And these are Jesus' words, written down by John and sent to seven churches in the province of Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. Tonight we hear Jesus' words to the church in Smyrna. Now the Christians in Smyrna were facing persecution. They were facing persecution both from the Romans and from the Jews. We hear this in Jesus' words to them. He speaks of their tribulation, their poverty, poverty, and their slander that's being spoken against them. And we know that Smyrna was a hub of Roman culture. They had a library, they had a stadium, they had pagan temples, and they were known for emperor worship. We also know the name of an early pastor there in Smyrna. His name is Polycarp, and he was a beloved pastor and he very well may have been the pastor there at the time when John wrote down this vision and sent it to the churches. So we can imagine Pastor Polycarp receiving these words and sharing them with his congregation. Several decades later, around 155 AD, Polycarp would be arrested at age 86 and brought to the stadium and commanded to swear 
his allegiance to Caesar, his devotion to Caesar. We have an early account of his martyrdom, and so we have the words of his response. The proconsul urged him and said, Swear, and I will set you at liberty. Reproach Christ. Polycarp responded, Eighty-six years have I served him, and he never did me injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And that same day, there in that stadium, Polycarp was burned at the stake. Rewind now to Jesus' words that we heard tonight. What does Jesus have to say to the Christians in Smyrna? What does he want to say to that congregation? He says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus does not give his Christians a way to avoid suffering. But he does give them promises in the midst of their suffering. And we'll focus on three promises from the reading tonight. Jesus says, I know your suffering. And Jesus has placed limits on our suffering. And Jesus is in complete control. First, Jesus knows your suffering. In verse 9, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. He's not here just saying that he's all-knowing and omniscient. There's another sense in which he can say, I know your suffering. He himself has suffered. He knows what it is to be slandered. He knows what it is to be arrested and beaten. And he even has gone through death. And so he can say to the church in Smyrna, he can say, I know your tribulation. And Jesus puts a limit on suffering as well. In verse 10, he tells the church that they will be tested and they will suffer tribulation for 10 days. And that number 10 is a number of completion. It is a large number, but it has a definite end to it. It's nothing like eternity. So we don't know whether the church in Smyrna suffered for exactly 10 days or whether this was symbolic for some period of time that they were, would suffer. But the promise here is that their suffering would come to an end. There are definite limits to it. Jesus has set an end for suffering, a limit, and there will come a day when suffering is no more. Jesus knows your suffering. He limits your suffering. And number three, Jesus is in complete control. At the beginning of tonight's reading, he tells the church in Smyrna who he is. He describes himself to them. He says, I am the first and the last who died and now am alive. His death and resurrection set the stage for everything else. 
And Jesus uses these words over and over again in the book of Revelation. Back in chapter 1, he started things off this way. He says, These are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. And then he says, Fear not. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Death and the grave look to us like a door that will be shut forever. But Jesus has the keys. Jesus is in complete control. I'd like you to think about when our young adults in this church and in other Lutheran congregations, when they go through the rite of confirmation, they're asked several questions... And one of the last questions that they're asked is this. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? That's quite a question to be asking our young adults. And every time we hear this question and we hear its answer, yes, by the grace of God, When we hear this, it's a good reminder for us. When you were baptized, your life took on the shape, the contour of Jesus' life. And we see it in the stained glass here at the baptismal font. You see the cross in there. Your life has been united with Christ's life. And so you, the shape of your life, will be the same shape as Jesus' life. You will go through suffering. And through death to eternal life. And so Jesus says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Your suffering might not come in the form of persecution as it did for our brothers and sisters in Smyrna. And as it does for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. It may not come in the form of persecution. But the life of a Christian even here in America, is a life of suffering. It might be an illness. It might be a long, difficult struggle with temptation. It might be anxiety or depression. Sleepless nights, worrying about your family. It could be many things. Satan has you marked as a target. But the very same promises that Jesus made to his church in Smyrna, he makes to you as well. Jesus knows your suffering. He has put limits on your suffering. And he is in complete control. Luther says it well in his explanation when he speaks of the Lord's Supper. When we say, deliver us from evil, we pray in this petition... In summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously bring us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Jesus ends his message to the church in Smyrna by saying, 
The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death, the death of hell. Are you conquering? Does this feel like it's you? Do you wonder if this is you? Well, Jesus does not point you to your own strength here. John's vision continues on through the book of Revelation, and he sees Satan's war against Christ and his church. And in Revelation 12, the people of God conquer Satan. And John writes, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They have conquered by the blood of the Lamb. The blood that was shed on the cross. The blood of Jesus, who is the first and the last, who died and who is alive. This is the very blood that you receive in the Lord's Supper here on Sunday, every week. And they overcame by the word of their testimony. The word of God, which we receive here at church and at home and with each other. The Holy Spirit is at work in you through his word and his sacraments. St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let us cling to his faithfulness, his promises, his death and his resurrection, his victory. In the name of Jesus, amen.